Do you love Jesus and love agriculture? In the beginning, one of the first jobs God gave people was to care for a garden. And today, many Christians are going back to the land as they feel God's call to steward His creation. Their purpose is much bigger than just growing food. It's about impacting their communities and bringing glory to their Creator. As this movement of Christian agrarians grows, the potential for changed lives and restored land is great. This is not always an easy journey, but it can be one of the most rewarding. My name is Noah Sanders, and I am a Christian farmer and homesteader. I want to welcome you to the Redeeming the Dirt podcast, the podcast for Christian gardeners, homesteaders, and farmers. Join me as I encourage us to connect our faith in farming through sharing spiritual insights, practical experiences, and inspiring interviews. Let's walk this journey together, seeking to live for Jesus, excel in agriculture, and make disciples. Let's redeem the dirt. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of the Redeeming the Dirt podcast. This is your host, Noah Sanders. Today, I'm excited to share part one of an interview that I did with farmer, pastor, and Korean natural farming expert, Chris Trump. It was an exciting interview. We were able to talk about his dad's 700-acre macadamia nut farm in Hawaii, which is pretty cool, and how God used crop failure uh, several years ago to help them transition from more of a conventional approach of production to a natural production. I think they're certified organic now. And uh, we also talk about his spiritual journey and have some interesting discussion about Old Testament laws and how they relate to soil microbial health of all things. So I really appreciate Chris's heart, his humility and his wisdom, and I'm excited to be able to share this uh, interview with you. Before we get started today, I just wanted to mention uh, that if you appreciate this show, Consider supporting us on our Patreon page. That's a, uh, a page where you can chip in a few dollars uh, a month. We, I think we have anywhere from like $1 to $20 a month to go towards the costs uh, and time that's associated with putting this show on. So every little bit helps and uh, allows us to be able to continue to do these shows. So just uh, appreciate your, you considering that. You can find links to our Patreon page in the show notes. Without any further ado, let's get into my interview with Chris Trump. All right, Chris, welcome to the show. I'm glad uh, you made time tonight to talk to us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Noah. To start out tonight, I'd just love for you to briefly kind of introduce yourself to the listeners and uh, can you give us a background of who you are and what you do? Yeah, thanks. And it's exciting to hear what you're up to and endeavoring to do with uh, um, sharing and, and talking uh, about uh, faith and, and even faith in agriculture. So it's exciting to be here. Yeah, it's, it was I, uh, exciting to have other people to talk to about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a farmer. Um, I was born in Hawaii. And my dad was a farmer, um, and uh, we've been on a journey as a family over there um, since. And about twelve years ago, 
11, 12 years ago, I um, jumped in and helped my dad in uh, managing our family farm, which was a uh, is a 700 acre now uh, certified organic macadamia nut farm. And uh, yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. And uh, I'm also uh, currently a uh, pastor as a family and children's ministry and our prayer ministry at uh, Vineyard Boise, a little church in uh, Boise, Idaho. So I continue to be involved in agriculture, though I'm not directly managing our family farm anymore as of two years ago. Well, actually as of this last January, but um, yeah, so still, still full on in agriculture but uh, also belong in ministry and uh, being a dad and husband as uh, the cap of it all. That's awesome. That's uh, uh, just encouraging to hear your, um, your, your journey and that God's taking you places there. And I uh, would love to hear a little more about kind of your background or kind of the how you came you know to, to trust in Christ and kind of what that journey has looked like and how he's grown you over the years um, and, and it's kind of setting a context for you know the things that he's done in your life kind of the things that he's done in your heart um, how, did, how did the Lord kind of draw you to himself and, and how has he continued to do that over the years yeah you know I uh my family, uh, my mother and father got saved and started a relationship with God by the time I was born. And um, then uh, I got uh, to meet him and, uh, at about seven years old. Um, I can still remember the moment um, being baptized in a brackish uh, pond in Kohala in Hawaii and um, seeing the gold sparkle and God just showed up and, uh, in, in my life uh, in that moment and uh, as you know the, the journey to maturity and intimacy is an instantaneous and um, I had a, a journey of going to church and having that be the expression of God in my life um, until even though I knew, who, I knew him, I knew who he was and, and uh, knew his word to be true. And he would show up in, you know, in places in my life, uh, whether I wanted him to or not. And um, then in high school, um, after going on uh, my own journey, kind of aside from God, I, I, I prayed a prayer. He, he showed up and revealed himself to me in, in a way where I prayed a really honest prayer um, where I told God that I see where he is, is where I need to be, but I didn't have kind of faith or strength to walk away from the things I was doing. I told him I like what I'm doing and the people I surrounded myself with, even though I don't see you in it. And, um, 
over the period of the year, he, he just cut those desires out of my heart. And, uh, I was faced with, you know, an invitation to know him and, uh, said, okay, God, you know, all these things, I forgot about that prayer. You reminded me of it. And then, uh, said, come, you know, show me, I'm, I'm going to live for you. And, and, uh, failed and, you know, and I was like, I'm, I'm really going to do it this time, God, and messed up and my understanding of what it was. And I promise I'm going to do it better this time. And then, uh, he spoke to me really clearly. He said, uh, you can't, uh, you can't throw yourself high enough, so to speak. He showed me a vision of the, uh, the Lord is the height of the empire state building. And my efforts to reach him by increasing my stature. And so he said, I, I don't want you to better yourself. I just want the crown of your heart. And that picture and revelation of the elders throwing their crowns. And I uh, said, okay, wherever you want to go, whatever you want to do. And um, I've never been the same. Mm. I love that. So your interest in agriculture, I know you said your dad farmed, um, you know, sometimes it seems to be the case that the kids of farmers aren't always interested in it. And sometimes they kind of get run off the farm. So were you always interested in agriculture um, because your family did it or was there, did that kind of um, start at one point? Hmm. Yeah. You know, I, um, I think I've always been really grateful for being on a farm. Um, my parents were separated growing up. I went back and forth from between Hawaii and California and um, kind of city kids in California in, you know, not big city, but um, they didn't have any of the perspective. I grew up, you know, I got to ride horses with Hawaiian cowboys and, you know, brand and, give shots and, you know, castrate and all the good stuff. And, um, you know, coming back then to a school year that, you know, friends had no bracket for any of that. It was kind of fun and, and strange. Um, but I was always grateful that I had those things. And we raised sheep and cattle and had a bunch of, uh, farming and rations over the years. And I, uh, I always valued and enjoyed that. So uh, I guess, yeah, I guess it was in me from a young age. And then uh, there was a point I was uh, 23, newly married. We just had our first um, child, my oldest, Judah. And um, I looked around. We were making uh, for 23. Um, I was I was making around 80,000 a year and uh, my wife was working. So we were, you know, we were doing pretty well as far as money was going. And I looked around, I said, God, I don't see your kingdom in this. And, um, and he told me to go to Hawaii and, and serve my dad. Um, mm. And my dad had just gotten sick and um, was, you know, kind of recovering he had uh, eaten a little watercress in a cattle 
pasture and gotten a rare parasite called a liver fluke. It almost killed them. Mm. So I went out to Hawaii. We, we uprooted uh, the owner of the company I was working for, who was trying to make me part owner and um, was baffled. He's like, do you know how much money you're making? And, yeah, I'm going to go make about a third of that and uh, <laughs> go farm. <laughs> and so uh, we did that for um, about 10 years. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, it was wonderful. So we, about that time, we, uh, yeah, started transitioning, uh, oh, it's a good long story, but, uh, taking our farm from conventional to organic was a process and all the things we learned in the journey. Yeah. And I definitely like to hear that because I'm interested, you know, was there a particular time that, um, you began thinking about that your agriculture in terms of, you know, letting God speak into that because you kind of have, you know, in general, a lot of the church with people that I talk to as a farmer, um, you know, we kind of view that as farmers, if we're going to be, you know, good Christians, we're going to be kind of have good ethics while we're farming, but we, it, some people aren't as comfortable questioning whether or God, not God can speak to how we do it. And, um, and most people aren't even asking the question, you know, not that they have rejected, you know, God speaking into it, but they just haven't really been thought about, you know, whether their faith applies to the way that they approach farming. So did that factor into, you know, some of the transition that y'all made or was there a point at which you began to kind of think about how your faith might, you know, be reflected in the way that you were farming? Yeah, it did. But I would say it was less like, I'm going to sit down and really ask these questions before God and um, far more like grace, you know, where God just showed up and I was faced with questions I didn't even know to ask or, or hadn't been thinking about asking. Um, we had a significant crop failure um, in, um, years ago. And... Um, had to let a bunch of our organic go fallow. We had basically lost the farm, um, sold all our equipment, laid off, and had to lay off employees, which was devastating for my dad because it's like family. And mm. um, we were losing the house and uh, going to move to some lease land. It was it was really kind of doomsday as far as farming is concerned and farmers and. Uh, we got some crop insurance came through kind of in the last minute and, um, able to buy back some of the, uh, the equipment and my dad was able to keep his home and, um, hire back a, a skeleton crew, but we really couldn't farm. At that time we had been a split operation, conventional or organic. We hadn't been able to farm, um, organic very profitably at that point. Um, so we let the organic go fallow. We had spent a lot of money um, and the trees had been kind of yellowed and, you know, low in production. And we'd spent money on inputs and um, kind of fertilizers on the organic side. And so we let that go fallow and farmed kind of what was our highest yielding and easiest to farm, which was our conventional acreage at that time. And um, three years into fallowing, um, the organic acreage greened up and became 
kind of increase in productivity and just some really cool changes happen. And, um, we, we've known of, you know, following and rotational, you know, uh, practices and, and other crops. Um, it's not often done in orchards, but, um, it wasn't so much the following it's at that time there was something happening in the trees that we didn't really have experts in our industry didn't really have an answer for why were they so healthy? And, um, I had studied actually some microbiology biology in, uh, Bible college. My uh, Leviticus teacher was actually the head, um, microbiologist for, um, chair for Azusa Pacific. And we had gone into the microbiological rhythms and, and uh, pictures found in Leviticus. And um, in there, you have all these farming um, laws and, and kind of inputs from God. And, um, and as I'm looking at what's laid out for trees, which is actually really interesting, it's a little different for, for cropland, et cetera. Um, I saw this picture and um, a question started of what is the microbiological world doing in, or what is the effect? Because so much of Leviticus and all these things that were given were given as God is explaining and, and protecting them from, you know, disease and germs and, you know, giving them antibacterial soap and hand washing and giving them quarantine that I was like, what is the life in soil doing? And what are all these things? And uh, so we actually committed to go on a journey where we checked our knowledge at the door. I had the privilege of growing up around some, some real experts in our industry, really knowledgeable people still are really knowledgeable people. And, um, and we kind of said, they don't really have the answer to this question. And, uh, yeah, we began a journey that was kind of like, we're going to learn what it looks like to farm in this way. And it was, uh, yeah, it was a cool beginning. So I would say by and large, it's something God took us on a few years later, or a year or two later, um, I was introduced to Korean natural farming. Um, because the, the Korean iteration um, kind of creator, um, Cho Han Yu, came to Hawaii, kind of landed in, in the U.S. for the first time in my hometown. And um, that was cool. And then Elaine Ingham came that same year, and uh, I got to study, learn the microscope from her. And, um, and, and it was kind of, it was gifts. And then it was gifts of failures and successes where I learned incredible things that I really couldn't have orchestrated. So, yeah, a lot of, a lot of grace. That's really uh, that's an amazing story. So when you say like the, the let, you let the, the, the trees lay fallow, like, you know, I'm somewhat familiar with when you plant annual crops, you know, and you, you let the land lay fallow, fallow. At least I think I know what that looks like. So what did that look like as far as, with the nut trees is just not harvesting them and not, you know, giving them any inputs. Yeah, really nothing. So six foot tall grass 
and no pruning and no harvesting, really letting it literally sit um, untouched. So but that that's not our that's not our current practice, and and really not even uh, what's laid out in in scripture as far as uh, tree farming. Um, but tending to the microbial life of the soil, being aware of our pruning schedules, um, these are these are things that we see in scripture, and uh, and we currently do. Um, we we can I can honestly say we have the the layout of um, Levitical orchard farming as our exact model in um, our, our farm which is was was not like we didn't decide we we're going to do that that's actually just what our best practice is as we've settled there um, and it's it's a lot of fun i mean we're we've been more profitable in the last uh three four years than uh the previous you know 25 combined probably me yeah so i'm curious just like lay out for us a few you know like a little snapshot of you know because some of us you know including myself read some of the things in leviticus and i'm like okay i see you know some of the princip- principal benefits there but you know trying to figure out how to apply that in my situation um and so it, it, it i'm really curious what that looks like in particular um or that, and then you know, yeah, I don't do as much nut trees. I do more vegetable production. I don't know if you have, you know, some experience yeah. that might be doing just like gardening type things. But can you just paint a little picture of what that looks like in in practice for you? Yeah, and I I I truly believe that we um, those those laws are good, but those aren't things that we're you know mandated to really currently in in this new new covenant. But we've also been uh, gifted with a lot of knowledge from there. So, mm-hmm. like for example, the the hand washing practice he gave them—you touch something unclean and you take hyssop, cedar shavings, and running water. Well, cedar shavings—cedar is one of the highest carbon, lowest nitrogen ratio materials in nature. So it's it's actually uh, going to be one of the only materials on a camping trip that's going to basically be bacteria free because they can't do anything with cedar. You can't even really live on it. And uh, so then you have hyssop, and hyssop's active ingredient in hyssop is thymol, which to this day is the active ingredient in Listerine. It's, it's antimicrobial. So it gives them grit, like something to rub up against in the cedar shavings, and it gives them antibacterial soap and running water. That's our current surgeon hand-washing practice <laughs> Wow, like today. And wow. and so he he protected them from the crazy stuff you get from touching a dead animal or blood or you know discharge you know stuff bodily fluids all this he, he's protecting them from the germ. Well, we don't have to go use hyssop to benefit from that wisdom and you know the 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 law because he said if you are faithful to do these practices, you'll get none of the diseases that the Egyptians got. Hmm. And so we don't have to go find a hyssop plant. We can just wash our hands, you know, kids come home from school, go wash your hands. And, um, so I think in agriculture, we can actually do something very similar. We can just benefit from how God made nature. 
and and that he's divulged some of that in these things. We can look and see the 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 literally the one who laid out the brute blueprints of the laws of nature, and we can say, okay, how should I farm? To profitability, to the care for the land, to to abundance, and uh, I think that's you know really how um, I would encourage people to approach scripture in uh, farming. And so yeah, there's um, the a lot of the the things to be done really can um, and and laid out in Leviticus tends to microbial communities. So if you've impacted or damaged over time microbial com- communities, so that they don't break down and you lose diversity, um, there can be following and uh, letting the land rest, um, which I think is a great practice. But that might be unrealistic for somebody with a small acreage and, um, you know, a, a need to provide for their family, tending to the microbial life by, by being aware of what it needs and um, giving it that. So reintroducing microbial diversity kind of on purpose, um, feeding microbes, um, yeah, all, all different kinds of things, even not uprooting a perennial that you cut down um, and letting the roots decompose in the ground. You know, just little things where you're not disturbing um, fungal network as much as possible um, could be done for, yeah, for vegetable farming or um, stuff like that. That is, yeah, that is, go ahead, if you're going to say something else. No, it's it's just uh, there's there's a lot, and and so this farming practice we use in in natural farming is um, not the answer. Um, really, there's all kinds of cool traditional methods worldwide, but the point is that there there is a uh, a law of nature that God made. It's mm-hmm. nature. I call it a a symphony. Nature is a symphony with one orchestra leader, you know, and he's set all the rhythm, you know, the, uh, the birds chirp in the morning and it, it tells, you know, it, it cups the plants for the sun, you know, they, they get ready because of the sound of the birds voices. Um, the, the dew forms and it actually helps microbial communities, um, do processes and take in atmospheric nitrogen on the leaf surface of plants. All, all these things are, are rhythms of, of morning, night, and you know, all these cool things. And we can benefit from it as farmers with a little kind of humility and, you know, learning. Hmm. I think that humility is such a, such an important starting point for all of Well, that's the end of part one of my interview with Chris Trump. You can join me again next week for the rest of the interview. In the meantime, you can interact with me online via my website, redeemingthedirt.com. We have a contact page there, and you can find show notes as well. You can also find me on Redeeming Dirt on Facebook, or you can look it up, look up Redeeming the Dirt on Instagram and direct message me there. Thanks again so much for tuning into the show. I hope it's an encouragement to you. I just want to remind you to be humble, be faithful, and keep redeeming the dirt. All right, before I can 
get back out to the garden, I have got to tell you about my new project, Redeeming the Dirt Academy. I started it last fall, and it is an online educational mentorship experience featuring video courses, interactive community, and life coaching designed for Christian gardeners, homesteaders, and market farmers. We've had a lot of live events at our farm and conferences in the past, but not everybody can make them and make it to them because we're busy with our farms, and I can't afford to put them on all the time because I'm trying to do what I'm encouraging others to do, which is farm to the glory of God, and that takes time, and so does my family. So this is a great way for us as Christian farmers to be able to interact with each other. It's a great way for me to be able to share things that I've learned Topics that we have on there range from making compost and simple soil science to homestead design marketing and marketing options for farm businesses. Um, Also included are pressing topics like balancing farm work and family and making disciples as farmers and being prepared for suffering. Now, if you're listening, you're probably one of the growing number of Christians today who feel called to serve God through agriculture, whether that be with a small garden, homestead, or market farm. And we desire to live a lifestyle of tending the land, working with our families, serving our communities with good food, and letting our gardens, homesteads, and farms shine the light of Christ to those around us. I feel a strong desire to see Christians equipped to be leaders in the realm of agriculture. And it isn't just about having pretty farms. We need to be bringing hope to the last, the least, and the lost, and sharing the love of Jesus with the poor around us. So if you share the same heart and want to be equipped to be part of this movement, then Redeeming the Dirt Academy may be part of what can help you. We offer resources and a support community to help you get started. So if you're interested, go to redeemingthedirtacademy.com to start your free one-week trial today, and I'll look forward to seeing you there.